Yo, what up, what up, UMU? It's me, Blackjack, the creator of Us Mentoring Us. Thank you for tuning in to yet another amazing segment that we got outlined for y'all today. Yo, what up, UMU? This is Jay Will. Welcome to the Hot Parts. If you want to hear about some fantastic careers, some things that work, some things that didn't work, and some lessons learned so those same errors won't be repeated, then you're in the right place. Every month, we talk to the people that's been there, done that, and willing to share their stories so those same errors won't be repeated. All of the views and opinions expressed here today are our own personal views and opinions and do not represent the Air Force or any DOD organization. Introduced to you all, our admin team, who work very hard behind the scenes pushing all the content that you see on the page. Admin team, where y'all at? Chime in. Yo, what's up, you and you? It's your boy, Matt. Make sure y'all pull up. What up, UMU? It's your girl, Tony Renee. You could be anywhere in the world or in the meta, as we now know it, but you're not. You're here with us. We appreciate that. Let's go. What up, what up, what up, UMU? It's your boy, Yancey. You already know what it is. Let's get to it. What's up, UMU? You already know it's your girl, Key, and I'm all about bringing you the knowledge that empowers you. So let's go. Hey, what up, what up, UMU? Hey, welcome to another episode of The Hot Wash. As usual, joining me from the admin team, we got Key. What up, Key? You're muted, you're muted. We live, folks. Hey, hey, everybody, how y'all doing today? Awesome, awesome. So we got a very special show outlined for y'all this evening. Um, as usual, uh, we would love for you guys to bring your comments, share. We're also streaming on YouTube. I'm also going to share the link later on to uh, allow you guys to watch it on spot or listen to it on Spotify or however you choose to listen. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Key. She's going to introduce our guest and we'll get right into the show. Yes. So as you all know, we started this segment uh, called The Hot Wash, where we get uh, certain uh, different influential leaders to kind of hear their story, their perspective. We ask the same questions um, and it's, it's so um, such a blessing to see that all of the different um stories are different they're extremely different and so today we have somebody who is very very special to me near dear to me and share is the very animated bone that i have that not too many people have um so i'm extremely excited for that um please enable Streamyard uh, because we are live live streaming from facebook and from youtube so right now we have facebook user that is saying this versus um shout out to now retired Chief Master Sergeant Gloria Weatherspoon with her comment where we can see her name. So hey, what up, Chief? <laughs> exactly. So without further ado, sir, if you're ready, we're gonna bring let's, her let's on. Bring, let's bring her on the one and only. <laughs> What's going on, Chief? Hey fam, how y'all doing? I was waiting to see who was coming on because I knew you would talk about me. <laughs> 
No, we I'm talk about two here. things. We talk about two. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yes. So I'm uh-huh. definitely excited because a lot of people may have read about you. You definitely have a a true following of individuals that that know you and know your story or your journey, and some that may not. And so um, I love the fact um, of how many different agencies you have. How um, when I when you and I first um, when our paths, I didn't know your story. And so to see you still grind and not even know that you were going through one of the toughest battles of your life, I think is a true testament to the person that you are. And we definitely have to get her here for the hot wash to have this conversation. So I want to say thank you publicly, um, because again, a lot of people may know bits and pieces of your story, but do they truly know the behind behind those chevrons? I don't know if they're ready, but we're gonna see. We're gonna see. All right. All right, All right, so with so that, go ahead and go to our first question. Do you want to go ahead and start? Look, we're live. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. You're in there. You're in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Chief, take us back. I know you came in in, in the year of our Lord, 1990, if I'm not mistaken. 1990. Right. Tell us how did you come to choosing the Air Force? What did that look like? Why the Air Force? Originally, it was the Army all day, all day, all day. Um, my father is a retired airborne engineer. And so, you know, following him, mem- uh, being impressed with the shine on the boots, uh, the airborne life, the camaraderie, that's where I was headed to. And then started hitting around junior high, high school, and and then uh, all the foolery got started. And I don't even believe the military was on my mind for a while. I was in the Air Force Junior ROTC, but I was that knucklehead that was not doing right. I only wore the uniform just for that period that I had, Jay Rossi, though it was supposed to be all day. Uh, did, that was the first two years. I actually started to kind of care about it, going into my last year of high school to where I wanted to do better, wear the uniform properly, and participate in other things. Still not tracking the military route upon uh, graduation. My eyes was on uh, going towards the HBCU but I was okay. too far gone, wasn't focused, would have wasted money, time. Um, actually had a, a music scholarship in the bag. Um, I was a saxophone player at the time. Hey. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so okay. long story short, uh, mom just frustrated because I think I, I, I passed probably what three out of six classes my senior year. I was not where I needed to be. And she was just at her wits end, single mom, trying to make it happen. Though, you know, my father was in my life uh, actively. They just weren't together, so to speak. So, um, I don't know. I probably was hanging with my girls one day, and we saw the recruiter's office, and I was like, let me stop in there. And it was a very uh, 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 short-lived program, probably because of me, (laughs) where you could do two weeks of basic training if you had junior ROTC and you came in as an A1C. And I signed up for it. Delayed uh, entry program, had to go. They told me I couldn't come in for probably, it was an extended period of time. At any rate, went to the to Atlanta for a while, hanging out, acting a fool. And recruiter called me and said, hey, um, I got a slot for you. So came back to Fayetteville, got on the bus, and joined, did my two weeks, in process for a week, out process for a week. And short of doing it for us, I can tell you, I'll be dead or in jail, I promise. But that's mm-hmm. how... Air Force uh, came to be. Wow, wow. 
So uh, before we really get on to the next question, I'm, I'm gonna go back to the saxophone thing. So do you still play now? I have a saxophone, but it was just something that I messed with through high school. And I actually played in the only security forces uh, band that I know of. And I did that in, when I was stationed at Howard in Panama. So I did it there, but outside of that, I ain't really messed with it. Okay. I didn't take it to any level of seriousness. Who, who's your favorite saxophone uh, saxophonist right now? Woo, a uh, tough one. I really haven't zeroed in on any particular artist of late. Um, you know, a thousand years ago, everybody loved Kenny G. That's, yeah, that's yeah. like that's all all they knew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, actually, uh, not a saxophonist, but Gerald Demond is uh, probably okay. my favorite artist uh, with the violin. So. Okay. Dope. Dope. I listen to. I'm a fan of the saxophone. If you couldn't tell, uh, I love smooth jazz. I like Kenny G as well. But uh, my favorite saxophonist right now is probably Boney James. He has that okay. same Kenny G vibe, but just a little more new school. Yeah. All right, let me get back on topic. Let me get back on topic. So um, we're talking about young, maybe A1C, senior airmen, uh, maybe about five, six years into your career. You're just starting to understand some things. Um, was there ever a person or maybe a, a, an event that helped shape you to the person we see you today? Wow, uh, that was <laughs> literally, um, at, at, at least I would say yes, several hundred people. But key folks during that time, the early days, um, now retired technical sergeant, uh, I'll just say Glow. I'm gonna put a business out. Glow Robinson, she okay. grabbed me and got me started on the education path at my first duty station. We were both. Uh, she was law enforcement. I was law enforcement at Fairchild, and want to say when I joined the the squadron, it was maybe four black females, and then at that time, it dwindled down. I was the only one at a point. And then when she joined the unit, you know, uh, like a moth to a flame without even realizing why somebody didn't look like me who had some rank. So uh, we would chit chat at the end of shift. I was an armorer at the time. So she would just come out on patrol. We stand around, talk junk at the window for a while. And it was always casual, just jokes, nothing of any level of seriousness. And one morning after working a midship, um, we were leaving the squadron and she asked me, uh, was I going to school? Out the group. And I said, now nah, I said my mom's been bothering me with that, but I don't have time for it. Man, she put my behind at parade rest so quick. <laughs> like, the hell with what them talking about the army do. This <laughs> she got serious on me real quick, and she went up one side, down the other. And at that time, you know, TA wasn't a hundred percent; it was seventy-five percent. But even at twenty-five percent, depending on where you were in your life, could be a little bit for you. So she said, not only was I going to start school, she was going to pay for my first class in my books. And she did. And so that grabbed me because I got to think it like she's not going to benefit from this in any way, shape or form directly. So if she's taking uh, this much interest and putting that much stock in in my development. I might want to step up my game. So uh, one of the very first influential folks. And of course, I had uh, the Dobbins family at Fairchild on first base who literally they they took me in and, and stopped a lot of my knucklehead waves. And but for them, uh, you wouldn't know. Aaron Hannibal never would have made it. <laughs> Wouldn't be him. So I got a follow-up question, Chief. Um, <clears throat> we kind of uh, talk about this question to all of our guests as far as um, there's definitely a time when you enlist, but there's a time you join. Can you tell me about that experience? What did it look like for you? And when it was it? I became my Air Force probably mm, close around 96, I say. I joined in 90. It started to, let me say it wasn't mine, it started to. 
Uh, and I, at that time, I, I had retraining into equal opportunity from, from security police, not security forces. That's how old I am. And I was teaching classes and I started to get frustrated, similar to conversation you and I had earlier, mm -hmm. seeing airmen not adhering to dress and appearance standards and customs and courtesies. And I found myself sitting on the bench with the people that were supposed to make a difference, talking about why wasn't there a difference. Mm -hmm. The airmen coming in and all those things. I was staff starting that time. And I realized, like, wait a minute, boom, it, that's garbage. It's about us, the people that are here right now in the NCO tier to make a difference. So uh, that kind of pointed me towards probably starting to look at things like military training instructor, but that started it. And I think definitely when I, be, by the time I became an MTI, it was absolutely my Air Force. Cool. So let's just go ahead and set the, the, the record straight. How many AFSCs have you held during your time? Uh, counting MTI duty with four and also additional duty shirt stuff. So uh, law enforcement, security police side, uh, equal opportunity, MTI duty for 10,000 years and uh, paralegal. You never personalist? Honorary. <laughs> I didn't know. I was claiming you. <laughs> I claim the people. I got the certificate. Right. I'm an honorary personnel. Let's ask Miss Tony. True. I got right. jumped in. This is true. Okay, so by the time you were at NCO, um, when did you cross train the first time? Uh, ninety-six staff sergeant. Okay, okay. So as a staff sergeant, was there a particular situation that stood out to you that you struggled with? And it could be you struggle with this as a supervisor, more in that leadership role. Uh, a situation that I struggle with, you said more as a supervisor? Yeah, as an NCO. As an NCO. Mm -hmm. hmm. Man, hell, every day was a struggle sometimes. Let me think. Let me narrow it down. Simmer down, Key. I'm going to get this. I'm going to bring it in. I'm gonna right. It <laughs> uh, working mm -hmm. in EO. I know Chief in there about to start typing something crazy. Yeah. Chief G, seven out. Come on, go. Um, it was a huge eye opener in making sure that individuals understood as a EO technician, you it is not your program. You are managing the commander's program. And so that was kind of hard to come to grips with at sometimes because you had to give yourself self-talks and you had to talk to your coworkers. Hey, you could have to the best of your ability, clearly identified discrimination, harassment, whatever the category may be. But that was your job to work that and then give that package to the commander. And he or she had to say on if there was going to be punishment or not. And in that, man, it was sometimes tough when it didn't come back to what you thought it should be. And I know a, a lot of my coworkers fell on their sword, just couldn't handle that. They couldn't wrap their mind around that. So I think that was one of my biggest struggles at that time. And oh, shout out to EO because I think that's such a underrated AFSC and to know that they're we're the only branch where it is an AFSC versus the rest of the branches. It's not like that. I just I think that um, they're so underrated and um, to just know the story of how, how you all came about, how EO came about with the race riots. I saw a blip of it in our PDG, you know, studying for promotion, but to actually like find the one or two articles that's out there 
um, I think is is crazy. Did, was there anything that kind of pushed you in that direction to want to be an EO? It, a lot of uh, craziness and security police at the time. You, you know, uh, security police, you finish ALS, you about to get 10,000 troops right away. Right. <laughs> so uh, supervisory. And of course, I went from senior airman supervising many to EO as a staff sergeant, not really supervising anyone, but seeing uh, some of the disparate treatment there, uh, whether it was gender differences or race differences, that, you know, it was illegal. And we didn't even realize we were doing it to ourselves sometimes. Like, oh, it's three of us together, meaning black people better break it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a real thing. You you were not supposed to get together. You still are not supposed to get together and do things that otherwise would be considered normal and natural, but for your demographics. So that drove me. And, and um, at the time that I joined the Air Force, I'm not sure how many people are aware that security police, now security forces, went through a period of where uh, it was male and females were allowed on the security side. Then they were blocked out again. And when I joined, they were just letting us back into the career field. And so absolutely a lot of the old mindsets. I did come to work to uh, porn in the VA, VCR, that's how old it is, to penthouse magazines and the desk drawers and stuff like that. That personally didn't bother me. I just dismissed it and moved on. Um, but, uh, you know, I had sisters working with me and that's not tied to the race. That was tied to the gender. I had women working with me. And realizing later that we absolutely should not have been exposed to that in a work environment. Uh, seeing that most women had to choose one side or the other, or they thought anyway in security forces, you either had to sleep with everyone to be okay, or you had to be a man to be okay in behaviors. And I kind of was in the middle. I was like, no, I'm, I'm JM, just me. Uh, final piece is a good friend of mine lost a baby because she was an M60 gunner. And where mm-hmm. a male counterpart would have had an assistant gunner help him carry mm-hmm. stuff, they levied upon her. You need to carry all this stuff to show that you're worthy. And she lost her baby. So, yeah, those, those kind of things that much more drove me. Oh, <clears throat> all right. So, Chief, we're going to we're gonna break your career into thirds, right? So at such an illustrious career, we're going to break it into thirds, but we're not doing half. So in the first, let's say, third of your career, the first uh, 10 years or so, Everyone kind of has that chapter where they're going through some growing pains or some things or, or experiencing some challenges or that chapter that we kind of don't want read out loud where we experienced some difficulties and we had to overcome. What did that look like for you and how did you overcome, if you had any, how did you overcome some of, uh, some of those adversities in order for you to move forward? Uh, let me make sure I'm tracking uh, black. So you said the uh, we're in second quarter now, right? You said no, you're still in the first third, the first, the, the first third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first third. Some yeah. some of the stuff we don't want read out out loud that we had to get over. Yep, yep. So you had to, some challenges you had to overcome. How did you overcome it? What did that look like? Uh, being a hood rat from Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's how you really feel. Not a hood rat. Explain that for the people in the back. Explain that. So so uh, yeah. not short on talent and ability by God and mm-hmm. parents, good bloodline, but I was just ignorant. I was mm-hmm. just doing the most. My mom, I wasn't old enough when I first came in, mom had to sign the paper, so no mm-hmm. excuse. But I will tell you, I came from Fairville, North Carolina to Washington State, had not been away from home for any significant period of time other than to visit my father. So I arrived uh, with Patrick Ewing high tops on, the huge earrings with some word in the ear. I don't even know what it was. Some kind of triple fat coat. I don't even. I don't want to say goose. It was probably something ragged. I don't, 
<laughs> and attitude. I had attitude. Um, but a weird discipline because mom didn't spare the rod. So learning, as you said, the Air Force wasn't mine yet. So yes, there was probably some type of core values at the time that, yeah, okay, I'm here now. I want to serve, but at the same time, I want to do what I want to do. And it, there's some incompatible stuff with that. So uh, being short sometimes on people that look like you consistently throughout your work center uh, can have be to your detriment. It doesn't stop you from flying, but not having that uh, on a daily basis after, can take away from certain things. So um, Hannibal had to recognize that girl. You need to simmer down. This underage drinking. You need to get your life together because hey, I I went to the enlisted club and the lady said, "What you drinking?" I said, "Oh, this is how we doing." Let, let me <laughs> guess what? Especially depending on what country you in, right? Hey, Pony <laughs> Will, fools and babies. I, you know, that's the thing that, as I tell people that have had their challenges, whether it's the first half, second half, or wherever they are in their career, and and they actually get hemmed up for it, and people walk away or turn their nose at it, down at them, look down their nose rather. It's like, uh, uh-uh, bull. But for could have been me. And I said, right. you know, I, I absolutely hate when people do that thing. Yes. It doesn't mean you're guilty of the exact same thing, but you've done some shit. Come on. Right. Now. You just so, didn't get caught doing some shit. Let's keep it real. But for could have been me. So let's take that space yeah. and grace and help pick somebody else up and dust them off. Come on. So, yes. yeah, man. Oh, good gracious. Bruh, but you that's don't have enough time on this show for me to take you through all the Hannibalisms <laughs> that God we'll and get, military cultures delivered me from. Come on now. We're going to get yeah. there, but it, that that is a key portion of our hot watch that we wanted to make sure we highlighted because individuals are walking in on your chapter 30, not knowing what you where you were in your chapter five or six. And mm-hmm. they kind of have this mindset, not all, but some folks had that mindset of looking their nose, you know, looking their nose down at other individuals where I'm like, we all have a chapter. We don't want read out loud. And so yeah. hearing it from some influential leaders, it's like, okay, and it gives hope to some individuals who may have fallen short. Like, okay, if this person can overcome this, you know, I can overcome this. You can overcome anything. Yes, yes. Um, I will to give you a, a brief snippet there yeah. that it wasn't about something I did, but it mm-hmm. took me 30, 30, well, 26 years, my first retirement, to recognize I was raped at my first duty station. And I hid that from myself for 26 years. Wow. Hit it. And at the time it came out because I was doing a VA claim for retirement. And then even then, when I finally had come to grips with it, you know, the VA tried to take me back through and re-victimize me. And they told me because I had had a successful career, they doubted that it could have occurred because you're supposed to crumble and become a behavioral problem following those types of things. So, you know, again, another show, another segment. But so that's a part of my chapter that it wasn't on a billboard because I didn't even know it. I lied to me for 26 years. I'm not lying anymore. I'm here to talk about it when with whoever yeah. wants to, whenever they want to. But yeah, that was the first part. That was a part of that that early chapter too. So uh, yeah. much, much that yeah, some of the stuff that Hannibal did on our own that was straight out just stupid, fools and babies. And then there were things that happened to me that yes. either way, yes. this is why you get who you get right now. Well, well, thank you for being transparent, Chief. I, I do yeah. want to say while we're while we're on this. Uh, the subject of their early career. That's why I applaud folks that are in that early um, stage of members' careers, being at the uh, TI or being at the schoolhouse, because you guys are expected to 
shift behaviors that people have established for 17, 18, 20, even 30 years, and you have a short amount of time to get them into the Air Force and get them into the Air Force's way of living core value. So sometimes that's a tall order and we have to continue that process. That's why I have this conversation with folks at the duty stations that, hey, there's a lot of things we assume people know or we assume they were taught at home. They don't necessarily know. So we kind of have to get that into that intrusive leadership and ask these questions and things like that. So thank you for sharing and thank you for what you do at the school hub. Man, too easy. All right, so now moving forward a little bit and second, and we're in the little second, the second leg, or so I don't want to say second quarter, but second leg of this of your journey. Second third, second third. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So, what is one of the biggest regrets, or something you wish you would have done differently when you were in that that backbone stage as the NCO? I, I wish I would have lived out loud more. I wish I would have been more bold and looking out for those who couldn't look out for themselves. I wish I would have realized you cannot make E10. And though I was far from an E9 at that point, um, I speak to if there should happen to be any active duty chiefs on here right now, you cannot make E10. So trying to be out there and smile and, and hold back your tongue because you don't want to jeopardize a future position or an opportunity. And don't get me wrong, that's not to say you shouldn't be professional and strategic, but if you are sitting silently when a, uh, an injustice is being served upon anyone, regardless of the relationship, sound off, speak up, be somebody. So I regret that. I, I had moments where I absolutely should have lived out loud more and not been reserved. Those moments where, you know, you get back home and I should have said, and I should have mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. No, so I, I have, uh, now, now it's not a bunch of them, but I do have some. I should have spoke up more for my brothers and sisters without regard to, to race, national origin, any of those things, but definitely those who look like me, I should have spoke up more and done more. As the old adage goes, like what we tolerate becomes what we promote, right? So we, we have to speak up when injustices are, are, are happening around us. Wowzer. All right, Chief. So we're going to move on to, uh, like I said, we're in the second third of your career, right? So um, this is kind of that 10, 15, 16 year mark in your career um, where a lot of people tend to hit that proverbial wall, right? What did that look like for you? Did you ever hit a wall? Did you ever get... Um, almost uh, military remorse. Are you ready to get out? Are you ready to move on to the next chapter? If so, what did that look like and how did you overcome it? Well, I did, but it was driven by probably the injustice I was speaking about. I was a master sergeant, OTS. And um, I mean, I was just beyond pissed off. We It was time to do uh, evals, I think, on some some master sergeants I had moved up. I went there as an MTI, but got moved to, they actually made the position, superintendent of OTS. They didn't have it at the time, it was out of high. And we had uh, some master sergeants in the support squadron. To be more specific, there were four white males and one black female in question at this time. And the black female like was killing the game. She had done her PME, she had a master's degree, she had all these things and Two of the white males in questions hadn't done PME, no school, none of the stuff. And they were looking at trying to give the higher ratings, the senior rate endorsements and all those things. So I'm advising 
the, the crew to include even duty titles. They tried to give one of the guys her duty title to help with the EPR. Oh. And I was pissed. So um, I'm back and forth arguing about this thing and like, telling the uh, 06 at the time, like, sir, no, no way in hell. There's an 04 down there squatting level saying and doing, but you have the final say in this. You can fix this. And wasn't trying to move. And it wasn't like, I'm not going to do it because I disagree. It was gunshot, so to speak. And I said, you realize this young lady has a legitimate EO complaint right now. Mm. He's like, well, I hope she doesn't file one. What in the hell are you telling me? That's what I'm saying. She, <laughs> you, it's not on her to fight this battle. It's in your lane to do something about this. So I'm cussing, fussing. I, I'm going in. And, and uh, you know, I, of course, I can't give you all the nuances of it. Right. Uh, Master Sergeant Hannibal took it as far as I knew how to take it at the time. Uh, did I have a couple rounds left? I did. And at that point, I was so disenchanted with the whole thing. I said I was out of it. And I had uh, my mentor, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Tangela Spencer, who grabbed me. And she said, don't you ever let one base and one boss dictate the future of your career. Ooh. And I took her down and she walked me through some things. She helped me out. And of course, I'm a member of the Greyhound Nation, Chief Turner. He was there at the time and seen Master Sergeant Turner. And they navigated me through some things. And um, long story short, Colonel Spencer ended up re-enlisting me a few short, short months later. So. Uh, yeah, not necessarily happy ending overall, the full picture, but uh, that Master Sergeant, she's a retired chief now. I'll just leave you with that. And so you mentioned earlier about sometimes you wish you would have spoke up, but that's definitely an example of one of the times you spoke up and it, and it, and it, and it helped came to fruition. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Can you please go into details about the Greyhound Nation? Because I'm already seeing some comments asking about it. So please elaborate on this Greyhound Nation. Uh, Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Nate Turner Jr. retired and Miss Nita, they are in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Um, Chief Turner has been taking care of military members, him and Miss Nita, for so long. Um, and, you know, you're talking about uh, one of God's angels, or two actually. They have been walking the walk, talking the talk for years and years and years. They will send motivational packages to you. They'll call you, they check in, they fight battles for you. And so Chief Turner is one of those people and has been since the time I met him. Who he, he doesn't just pour into you, he pours into you so that you are, are prepped to pour into others. And so we all consider ourselves a part of the Greyhound Nation because he'll call you, hey, what's happening Greyhound? And Lord America's finest, he goes in and thing. So uh, we even have Facebook group um, and, and it's almost like a secret club in a way sometimes because you're like, wait a minute, you Greyhound Nation? It's like showing the ring. You get in that door. So once you sound off and you make people know you're a member of Greyhound Nation, you oh, you on tap right now. You do not get to get away. You do not get to walk away from somebody in need because your behind will be in trouble. Because uh, yeah, that it's a huge thing. But uh, Chief Turner and Miss Nita, a man, now another, now another like it. I love it. I definitely love it. And I, I love that accountability and that camaraderie. And I think a lot of times um, some individuals or anybody, you are one decision away from a different life. And that circle of influence is so powerful and so great. 
So shout out to the Greyhound Nation. I definitely yeah. love that. Is there like a secret handshake that we gotta like? Yeah, right. Like that. No, but I can tell you. Clearly, we not. If you try to roll up on me in the parking lot, all I gotta do is say, "Yo, they gonna come from everywhere." Like you done. That's it. First of all, I'm not rolling up on you, Chief. I already know. Right. <laughs> I'm not rolling up at all. Okay, so as we as we transition, you transition from being an NCO and you kind of go into the senior NCO tier. This is when you kind of like um, we see our leaders own their voice. And in those moments, um, sometimes you may have to burn bridges, cut folks off and move into a certain space where, um, you know, you can't hang with the same folks that you came through to to get to that next phase of that next step. So were there any bridges you had to burn? Is that fact or fiction? Or do you think, you know, we shouldn't burn bridges at all? Or is it necessary? What's your take on that? Jay. What's that mean? I'm thinking you gonna put me in the background or something, man. But <laughs> now nah, I came on. Right. Damn I it was me, man. Hey, bro, I know you missed your bus coming from downtown, so I'm glad you made it. Man, y'all don't even want it. This ain't my story. This ain't my <laughs> segment. Hey, I told you, if you didn't renew your bus pass, bro, you can't just get on there like that. Man, I thought I thought I was good, and then they just like, no, sir, you got to turn around. I'm sorry, I I know you think you light skin and everything, but like everybody, (laughs) I said, man, but y'all go ahead, I'm gonna fill it in. Okay, bet. All right, burning the bridges. Um, Yes, I guess twofold on that for me, sis. Burning the bridge. If somebody on the other side is toxic or a true enemy, hell yeah, burn that bad boy down. Get on the way. <laughs> other than that, I don't necessarily consider it burning bridges. I think, um, as everyone knows, reason, season, lifetime, right? So um, sometimes you just have to let go or modify your interactions with folks. And sometimes it's a temporary, temporary distancing and you come back together as you grow. But yes, I've had it. And I, I, hopefully we all do and will because it's necessary throughout life. Uh, as I transitioned into the uh, CNCO core, I went from that that rowdy staff text are ready to party. Let's set it off. Somebody throwing a party for any reason at any time. Oh, what? You just finished your seven level? Let's get it. We party. You know, we don't even care. What? Yeah, oh, you just got an extra key made? Well, we partying at your house. It doesn't matter. So uh, we did that without much thought to it. You know, who, who's hitting the classics? Who's doing this and doing that? And legitimately, I found myself, oh, I'm going to throw a party. Like, wait, who's going to be down there driving? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. If I invite so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, what if they're drinking here and they get in the car? And then what if they, my mind, like, it just kind of went there. And I was like, to the point where I was like, I don't even want to have a party now. That's where I'm at. I don't even want people over here. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it took no. me a little bit to figure out how to navigate that because absolutely as that started to develop in me, the level of responsibility and understanding, I got to a point of, yes, you can still have fun. You can still do it responsibly. But guess what? I had people that that didn't work so well for them. And so mm-hmm. we were cool, but from a distance sometimes. That and other areas, as you're probably tracking, those who can't handle, um, okay, maybe you progress in rank or you're in a leadership position and where they serve at is subordinate to yours and and there's some things you gotta, you know, adjust and call them out on, not in public, but you address it with them and they lose it. So as I've always said, I've been blessed to have individuals who outrank me 
who gave a damn about me at some point. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would do, because I felt it incumbent upon me, is jeopardize them by hollering at them across the street or not giving them the proper customs and courtesies. So uh, that was very important to me because they were important to me. So yes, ma'am, I, I had moments with some elements of that sometimes. It's awesome that you brought up. Can I jump in? Look, can I jump in real quick? My follow up, real quick. All right. So, Chief, um, going from that NCO tier and into that senior NCO tier, the thing that I've noticed lately, it was having these conversations or being in these different groups, is the struggle I see sometimes with our NCOs and some of our senior NCOs with peer-to-peer relationships. And so, a lot of them, they it's like they don't notice their peers in the room. And so um, to the point where I've, I've had conversations, but I also was that person. Um, and that's when my circle of trust, my accountability had to pull me to the side and was like, all right, so your peer-to-peer relationships up. And I was like, well, y'all told me not to be around them. I need to be around the ones that's, that's been there, done that, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, they're going to get me in the room. And so they, they were like, yeah, so those leaders, they're going to get you in the room. But if you want to be respected at the table, when it's time for you to advocate or you going through X, Y, and Z, yeah, you can get some jewels and some nuggets from folks that's been there and done that, but it's a big difference when it's somebody who is going through that at the same time, where you don't have to struggle that much to kind of find your way. So my question to you in all of that is, did you struggle with peer-to-peer relationships? And if you did or did not, how did you overcome that? I don't think I really struggle with peer-to-peer relationships. Um Usually because my parents, uh, the wonderful people that they are, uh, what if God was one of us? So I was brought up to, you could be the dude standing outside the Valero asking for some money, or I think you're about to, and I need to engage you in a manner with the highest level of respect and give you an opportunity to show me what you're going to show me. And so with regards to my peers, I'm going to give you space to be you. I see you, hopefully you see me, and I want us to come up together. Now, we're probably all tracking that doesn't necessarily always happen that way. Uh, And not everyone feels that way. So you're not going to always be able to have that uh, hold hands and sing songs happiness as you try to navigate that. Um, I didn't struggle personally with regards to not seeing them or them receiving me. But then I I was on guard at times for folks that, uh, you know, as they say, keep your enemies close. But so, yeah, we're peers, but folks... It's many folks, I don't care, fill in the blank for the year. They don't see progressing based off of their own merit and work. It's how can I push you down so I can stand on your back and be high. And so when you have those kind of peers in the room or around you, you know, sleep with one eye open. <laughs> so, hey, I'm always conscious of that as well. So, and that's going to be whether you're in uniform or out of uniform, doesn't matter. That's going to be there. But I, I've been blessed to have some 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 good relations, peer relations, where hey, we all trying to eat. <laughs> Guess what? Hey, you brought the meat. I got look, I got the vegetables. Right? <laughs> you got to lead on that, and, and we navigated. So yes, uh, weeding out those who um, had less than honorable intentions, and not even sometimes you don't need to call everybody on it. It's not always a need to confront folks. I don't have to let you know I see you. I can sort of ease my way right on to the left or to the right, and you'd be none the riser. So not real, not real issues. I don't think in that lane now. 
I, I got three things that I want to highlight that Chief said. I, I want to translate a little bit, right? <laughs> you were, the first thing you, you said was uh, early on, you said when you were having those seven level parties that sometimes people didn't know how to adjust to you in that mindset. So sometimes you got to grow. People look at you and they'll say, ah, oh, you changed, but the whole point is to change. So you got to grow. You're not supposed to stay the same person. Um, so I grew up in Miami and I had a bunch of friends from the South. And they used to say one thing. Um, you got to feed somebody with a long handle spoon sometimes. When you realize who they are, you don't got to say nothing. But you got to keep them at bay. You got to know who they are and, and move accordingly. And the third thing is sometimes your circle gets smaller, but it grows in value. Because you said sometimes you got to cut some folks out or leave them on the outside of your circle because they weren't contributing or they had some negative intent. But your your circle of true mentors or friends grew in strength, even though it diminished in size. That's dope. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I'm acting like I'm not in the studio right now watching this. I didn't know we was doing mid-conversation recaps now. Yo, that was, I had to do because I'm not writing down right now because I'm so into it right now because I had to listen and do a little No, recap. it was legit. <laughs> All right, but um, we're, we're going to transition to the next question, Chief. And while you're on the topic of um, some career challenges, um, the next question is, what is one of the, like, one of the most uh, challenges that stands out to you in your mind as far as your whole career is concerned? So if we were to look back at the entire career from the 1900, what did Key say? I'm messing with Nineteen ninety. Nineteen hundred and ninety. What is one of the challenges that sticks out to you, and how did you overcome that? Uh, other than the obvious, they put my ass out, and I had to fight to come back. Other than that one. Other than that one. Other than that one. Other than that one. Recognizing that my moral compass was bent, and I didn't know it. And being mm -hmm. grateful for an opportunity to realize that and to work on it and grow to be a better person. Um, as we talked about coming into the Air Force and recognizing that the kids that come in, people somehow magically expect their the Air Force core values to just become theirs. And people mm -hmm. have and will continue to, to successfully join and re retire 20 plus years and never take on the Air Force core values as theirs truly to the core. Um, I was one of those individuals on that course. Now, I was a professional. I bled blue. I did all of that. But at the heart of it, based on the belief system in my family, there were certain things that it didn't align. And, and it took some craziness to happen in my career. Not the same thing, but for me to look that in the mirror and, and see that. So uh, that thing that I don't think most people realize. Now, I'll share that freely. Uh, as I tell people, I'm an open book. But um, my book is not necessarily on the internet, just certain chapters. So you can come talk to me about it. But yeah, that, that piece of it growing, man, getting, getting that understanding, being humble enough and blessed enough to have people that's going to grab you and tell you, yeah, your slip is hanging. And not only is it hanging, come on over here and let me help you adjust it. And, and so, uh, man, beyond grateful for that. And that happened in the last, probably after I had crossed over 20. So, um, a blessing for me in that area without if that satisfies your question without going in too much detail i can if fair enough fair enough and then would you say would you say it was a combination of of like internal uh like looking internal and other people identifying that that was saying that your moral compass was broke or broken or bent um or what would you attribute to was it people giving you feedback or was it some self-evaluation uh, it was absolutely, it started external, 
not directly to that issue, but absolutely. You walking around peacocking as I tell my folk, like your shit don't stink, huh? You you think you the fine chick at the club until somebody like, hey sis, you got tissue on your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you like, so it's gonna take somebody else to get you sometime. Uh, but absolutely, you have to be willing or get yourself, not even say willing, before you can begin to do any work on it, you have to really get to a point to even receive it in its entirety and even dig even deeper. So yeah, it started from good people saying, hey, we love because, you know, consider the source. Everybody can't roll up on you with feedback. So people really have to love you to tell you the ugly truth. They do. This is facts. Yeah. No, that's people real. say, I love you too much to lie to you. So yeah. <laughs> You're like I love you, but uh, I just want to let you know. <laughs> no, nah. so this this where I'm gonna step in at because uh, as we talk about challenges and stuff, man, there's also some highlights, and uh, I want you to try. And then because you've been so open, I actually got to listen a lot before I jumped on. We gonna give you two. Uh, normally we only give people one, but I want to give you two. Is uh, give me two of your most fondest memories in your entire career. Uh, first one is at Diomi, 1996, retraining. I was in school with Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, South African military, both there. I think it, I know the Army was there. I think their uh, their Navy as well, and civilians. And we were on break. Um, I don't. I apologize. I don't recall how many students there were, but it was an ass load. How about that? I know that's an official term. Actual measure measurement. Right, right there. And so we were we were in the hallway, and of course, majority were men. So you can imagine they're towering, and it's kind of a narrow hallway. And no one yelled or anything, but all of a sudden, people started getting up against the wall and parting like the Red Sea. So I moved, and there was a chief came about right here to me, literally. Chief Master Lee, black female. She was walking through. She didn't say make a hole. She didn't say get out of my way. It was an air about her. People just moved. So staff started Hannibal almost passed out. Like literally almost fainted. Did not know until that moment that I had not seen a black chief, female chief. Had not seen a black female chief till then. And then, come on now, on top of that, that sister came through that bad boy and they parted like the Red Sea, not because she was being an ass or demanding, but because the positive energy in her presence just said, and you will, and you will, and they did. And First you will. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I, I felt that one as it was coming through. I felt that one. Oh, I was picturing it in my mind. Like, I literally oh, saw yeah. this happening. Like, that's my memory now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see. Yeah. And she probably didn't look left or right or anything, just straight ahead as she was walking through. Like, Well, actually, she was very personable, like smiles and nodding and acknowledging. It was not any air of, I'm the shit and you'll get out of my way. It wasn't even that. It was so hard to define in a way. Oh, that's amazing. cool. That's cool. But I did. I did want to give you, like I said, I give you two. If you if you want to if you want to follow that one up before we hit you with another question. Well, uh, you said two, So, um, you know, I've been in 5000 years, so that's a lot to go through. <laughs> but I will say um, when I promoted the scene, I started. I, I was able to have um, both sets of parents there, some uncles, some mm. neighbors, uh, cool. siblings that. I didn't grow up with 
And I was able to do this thing at OTS and get the royal treatment because it was OTS. So the auditorium was at my disposal and had some awesome folks there. That's uh, super cool. Like no other time. And I recall saying, even if I make cheats, this will be the best promotion. This will be the moment of my career in my life. And little did I know at that time, <laughs> I was speaking something into existence. But yes, that one. I want to say my fondest moment um, with with you. And listen, I'm going to be good because I see her face like what she got to say. So hey, bro, it was... It was literally, no, it's a good one. So it was literally um, a month before COVID really, really like started jumping off. And we were at the Spark Tank down in Florida. And um, during every single break, there was a line of young female airmen and NCOs that were in front of a bunch of women, senior master sergeants or chiefs. And so to see those airmen where they didn't even know you all, they were like, I've never seen a female in this rank in real life. A lot of the airmen was like, I've never seen this in real life before. And they just wanted to take pictures and they just wanted to stand there. And so to see um, some of your peers like get emotional about that because, you know, you do take you take it with a grain. You take for granted sometimes the numbers and the how low they are when it comes down to representation and how much it matters. And I remember I just wanted to see you because I knew you in real life. And so I remember when when I walked up, you were like, you want a picture too? I was like, no, I know you. <laughs> you were like, okay. It's, but, but what I love you. Wait, 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 wait. Now, don't even try. Now, don't put me out there like that. You know I was clowning with you. And we did <laughs> either way. No, we were messing around. And so, but what I loved was... um it just you were so relate. You're all you you're all you've always been relatable. So for them to stand there, you're like, yeah, come on, let's take a picture. It just was really like you didn't act like you didn't have time. And what I love too is when you pulled up, you brought your NCOs with you. And you and for for you to do that a lot of times, sometimes when it's those I call them the dog and pony shows or it's, it's certain events, sometimes our leaders they go right, and because of their their engagements, their obligations of what they have going on. There hasn't been an event that I've seen with you being in the position you're in today that you did not bring your village with you. And so I see that with a lot of leaders where they do have that advocate. They advocate for their folks. They inspire them and to bring them. But it just was so surreal where literally every break there were airmen and NCOs that just wanted to take pictures with female senior NCOs that they, they just they were like, I've never seen one in real life. I saw a picture, but I've never seen one. So that's one of my fondest memories where I'm like, man, it's just to give somebody hope. Definitely. I'm glad that you, um, you know, you came back. Big Blue had to say, come on back. Get, don't <laughs> put your clothes on. As you that's said, don't put your clothes on. Put so on. that's my fondest memory. Yeah. I wanted to share that. <laughs> well, appreciate you sharing that, Key. It's all right. Don't don't. She's gonna cry in the car. She's gonna cry. In the car. <laughs> well, you know how I feel about that because that's what started my my lives. And so she she pulled up. You know, let me do two. Look, she got two. Let me do two. And so with me being able to do those female chief panels. Wait, what? Right. I said. Let me do two. Hey, you got it. That's you. I appreciate it. You was it. here on time. I don't have a. Uh, right, I was. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Go ahead, get your two out the way, Key. Go ahead, wrap it up, Key. When we had those conversations, like you didn't shy away from being a part of something I truly believe where it was a, it, it meant so much to me. You know what I mean? And so a lot of the female chiefs, they pulled up 
and it, the support was there but you definitely when you know the person personally it just means so much so that's my two we appreciate you Keith. appreciate you sharing and share your two fondest memories with chief all right Chief. so before we go into the rapid fire questions where you're gonna have jay was gonna shoot some questions at you you're gonna have a limited time to answer we got one last question i do have a follow-up to this question so just keep in mind i did say one but it's like one in a possible all right, let's say you were given a uh, a amplifier right now. You can speak to all the airmen in the Air Force right now. What piece of advice would you give them? Uh, be bold in who you are and what you do. Um, don't half-ass it. <laughs> Get at it. There is space for humanity, compassion, professionalism, and promotion all together. You don't have to separate any of that. When we get to a point where we can truly celebrate our differences by, while also um, recognizing our likenesses and come together, man, it wouldn't be a country. It wouldn't be an issue. It wouldn't be anything to include poverty that we can whip his ass. Uh, but until we get to that point, we will remain divided. Mm, solid, solid, love it. All right, so my my, my uh, follow on my possible question is: um, we talk a lot about great advice. Like, what are people guiding you? What are people mentoring you? What are people saying to you to get to you to who you are? I want to take the time to ask you, Chief. What was one of the worst pieces of advice you ever got throughout your career? Worse. He said worse. He said worse. He said worse. Worst piece of advice throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me sometimes you have to uh, shuck and job and kiss ass. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> oh, you never heard that? <laughs> That's from South. I just want to let y'all know. That's from Wowzers. Okay. I appreciate the transparency. <laughs> that is a, I, I, I wish somebody would tell me that right now. It'd be a different conversation. Like, I. <laughs> But I appreciate you being transparent, T. Hey, I had a staff sergeant tell me that. I was a senior airman, and a a staff sergeant told me that. Um, And just to be clear, in case anyone thinking it was uh, tied to my demographics, it was. And the person that told me that was a Latino male, and he said, that's how you got to navigate. You have to uh, kiss white people's ass to get through in the military. And I like it took me a minute to, to collect myself, and then I realized he had arrived on the less than medium bus, and I went on back to what I was doing. So, yeah. Wow, Zerg. Wow, Zerg. Wow. And he probably met well, too. And, I, and again, yeah. I, yeah. he did. Yeah. He, he was trying to hook me up. You know, hook me up. I was. Rolled the failure, Oh Make man. Make it nice and big. We're Wait. gonna shoot some. Wait. <laughs> cheers, cheers, <laughs> cheers. We're gonna shoot, we're gonna shoot a series of questions at you. Uh, very simple. Uh one or two liners. Uh, all about something that you do or in your career, so you don't have to think about uh, you know, uh policies or anything like that. So we, we like to call this our little rapid fire to kind of close out this uh conversation. So you ready, Chief? I stay ready. All right, already. All right. So first question. How do you recharge? Silence and music and water. <laughs> Is this water permitted, Chief? Silence. 
<laughs> no, nah, that's not the recharge. That's the mellow out. <laughs> that's the mellow out. I like yeah. it. I like, I like it. that. She quit. All right. Who is your role model? My mother. Nice. Big facts. Big facts. What was your favorite TDY and why? Oh, Lord. Boy, you trying to get me put in jail. I'm still in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I came TDY to Randolph in 1997, 98 as a staff sergeant with my uh, Air Force sister, now lifelong sister, uh, Elizabeth Vanderson. And we had a you drive a GOV and we had the damn fool because I didn't know the rules behind it. So we was on the river walking at house parties <laughs> with that GOV. So that made it your favorite TDY. I like it. Yep. Hey, uh, <laughs> so. What is one thing you wish you knew before you joined? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Woo. Mm. Wow. I don't know, because uh, Kelsey Hannibal hooked me up, militarily speaking. I, I don't know that there was really anything I wanted to know before, because then it would have altered my path. And this is what it was supposed to be. Fair. That's fair. We'll give you one of those. Everybody's allowed one of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, in your opinion, what is the most important leadership quality? Humility. There we go. All right. What is one of your pet peeves? Assholes. Fair enough. <laughs> Let her elaborate. What does that mean? What does that mean? You say that. <laughs> you said short. That was. <laughs> yeah, that was short. Right. Okay, that was okay. short. Okay. Now nah, we'll talk okay, about okay. it afterwards. <laughs> um, and then could you give me at least two book recommendations? See, I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah. Okay. Four hundred souls and invisible. Yeah. Like that. We good. Yeah, we good. That's nice. We good there. Okay. Well, listen, I know. So I want us to just glaze just a tad, just a tad, because <laughs> you know, I was able to uh really go into my creative soul with the advertisement for you. And so um, you know, one of the advertisements that stuck out was um, it's not everything, I don't know too many people where they Retire, forced to retire, however, however you want to put that. And Big Blue comes back and they're like, after you gone, you know, went through the BCMR, X, Y, and Z, you could come on back. So to not necessarily go into details of that, what was that process like? And why in the world did you come back to go to BMT when you could have been in some of my back office? to say, yes, I'm here. It's like you chose to be in the trenches. Why? Uh, so yes, <clears throat> 2010, I made chief, but I also went under hell and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff tied to partially don't ask, don't tell. Though it wasn't about that, that was just a tool they used to try to uh, kill me. Um, after a whole bunch of things, uh, congressionals and, and IGs and all those things, uh, I filed a, a case with the Board of Corrections, Air Force Board of Corrections, military records. But that was after waiting many years, checking the mailbox every day, 
and live in uh, hell before I even got to the point to be able to do that. Um, hit higher tenure as a senior master sergeant in, at 26 because they didn't allow me to promote the chief, even though I made it in 10. And so I had to retire as a senior master sergeant in 2016, out of Randolph, out of AFPC as an honorary personnelist. Let's give a shout out to personnelist. So I was fortunate to be able to stay on there as a contractor named TJ working at Wounded Warrior uh, with mohawks and lines in my hair and doing the most, uh, at least most I could at the time. At year After eight years of fighting that battle, I had asked the Board of Corrections for relief in about 12 things, thinking if I got at least two, I would be okay. And they awarded me or they ruled in my favor in all 12. So in line with that, I said, well, I shouldn't have had to retire at 26. I want to come back in. And folks were shocked. They didn't know what the hell to do. So it took a whole bunch of big brain people and a while to figure out after I had to file a second Board of Corrections case, which took another year, taking me up to nine years. They, uh, some good folks figured out how to help me come back in uniform. And so in 2019, I was able to rejoin and, and uh, had a, a nice soft spot for me over there at AFPC and, and yeah, wanted to come back over on the other side of town and, and not really in the trenches, but it, where it counts for me. My best tour out of all 30, coming up on 32 years now, has been my first four years as a military training instructor at Lackland Air Force Base. So when given an opportunity to contribute on that side again, I didn't miss a beat. It is a very high ops tempo, very demanding, and a lot of changes, rightfully so. But uh, that's why I came back and headed that way. And you know me, I think I can go up until uh, about 33. Not sure if I'll take it all the way to the wall, but I'm pretty damn close already. So you there. I got to, you know, check with the home front and see what that looks like. Because, you know, it's not just me. I got to get approval from all base commander and mom, dad and all those folks um, before I decide on what's next. But yes, ma'am. Did I get all that for you? You did. And I, I just wanted to glaze over it because, again, a lot of times folks get caught up in the um, dramatics or the antics of whatever the drama and they missed the message in this. And so because they now read this book, right? They can read this chapter, the last couple of chapters, I think one of the misconceptions is they don't know that time in between. And so again, as someone who, when I first crossed paths with you, I didn't even know your story at all. And, and, what, and what I loved was you didn't look like what you were going through. And um, at the time, as NCOs, I met you when I was a staff sergeant. We would go to the E-Club and we were trying to huddle around. You would come and like make sure you reminded us to laugh. And you always kept it real light. You were dropping nuggets. So we knew, you know, that you 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 was that you was that chick, right? <laughs> but then when we got this email, it was like, well, wait a minute. Who is this person? It was like we didn't even know who we were around. And so to know that you are the same person that you were when you were a Wounded Warrior to coming over here, um, I think the biggest thing, though, is, is folks just knowing that there was a, a time gap in that. It wasn't a, a exit and then a quick comeback. Like, you definitely had to stay persistent in it. And I'm just, I'm glad to see that that the Air Force got it right. Yes, yeah, so if I could add, if I could add that nine years, you have to make some choices in that thing. Um, I would offer, I, I may have made some different decisions because in that fight, it, it is very much taxing. It will take a lot out of you and your family. I, um, you know, I lost some valuable time 
with people who aren't here anymore. And if mm-hmm. I had a do-over, I may have made some different decisions. Uh, definitely from a parent standpoint, elder care and all those things. And, and a, another reason as to the why that I don't think I hit on, I did share Chief Lee's story as a staff sergeant, the first black female chief. Well, I was an E8 before I ever saw more than one black female chief together. And that was at a EO conference when I saw five and I still carry that picture in my office now. I almost passed out, but again, why? It shouldn't be uh, an anomaly. It shouldn't be unique. Uh, much like DNI in and of itself, it should be woven into the very fabric of everything we do anyway. We shouldn't need a separate program. So we know it's needed because it isn't that way. But yeah, so representation, as you said, uh, my old ass should have went to sit down somewhere some time ago. But every time I see a sister or a brother without regard to race, but especially those of my race who look at me and give me that knowing look, I say I made the right decision. And so I can lace up the boots one more day and keep on going. Cool. Absolutely. I needed you to go through that. I needed you to go through it. I need because a lot of times we want to see someone who's been through it and came out on the other side. And there was something that you said to um, a dear friend of ours, Chief Tippins, where you said, we are a blessing to be a blessing. And so to see what you've gone through and it's like, yeah, maybe you should have, you know, you lost time X, Y, and Z, but the hope that you've given us, the ones that's coming behind you, I'm just so thankful that you left, you're leaving an incredible legacy. And you just, uh, uh, you that person with that, that theme music when you walk in the room. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad that you went through it. You know what I mean? It's one of those like, man, you went through, you went through it. But it, it also is just a, that's hope. There's hope there. So that's the, I'm off my soapbox. So. Thank you. No, already. We already get it. <laughs> All right. So, Chief, again, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for opening up to us. Before we go ahead and wrap the show, we're going to turn it over to you for some final, final parting words to the members that are watching this or maybe streaming this online. Uh, huge thanks to you and your support crew. I love the way you bring them in on the intro. Um, it is probably lost on many and others haven't had the opportunity to know the wonderful things that you do, that you're doing. My time is coming. You know, I'm riding off into the sunset here shortly, but this is what it's about to, to build our replacements. And you're already here. You're doing that. You didn't just uh, find a place at the table for you. You found a place at the table for yourselves, and then you got up and you started serving others and fixing foods and opening other restaurants. So you three are awesome and all your crew. So I am beyond grateful for all the things that you do. I hope what you are offering isn't lost on individuals that get locked into forum thinking this is tied to any specific demographic, though I talk a lot about demographics because it's important because I think people believe those are the taboo conversations. I talk about it because there's a need to. We need to increase the comfort with those conversations, and we also need to increase our efforts in making everyone feel welcome. And not only welcome, guess what? I can feed you just the same as everyone else. Um, My brothers and sisters range a wide spectrum without regard to the language they speak, the color of their skin, or anything else to include where they're from. I love deep. I love why, and I want everyone to be able to do that. But do that with tough love. If people aren't cutting it and they aren't cut out for a particular job, rank, position, or even the military as a whole, that doesn't mean that that is a negative based on a demographic. And in the same breath, make room for those. Recognize that many 
areas are underrepresented based on a demographic standpoint. So some of the mentoring and grooming that naturally comes to many of my white brothers and sisters, we don't even know it even exists. We don't know what that thing looks like. And then, so when we finally get exposed to it, we might even kind of shy away from it because we think it's a trick. So spread the love, share, be open, be humble. I thank you for your time. And you know, if there's anything I can do for you within my power, I'm for it. And Key don't talk shit because you know I'm horrible with text and email. <laughs> I was just about to say, they saw the Mickey Mouse phone. If she gonna be there, she gonna show up. Yeah, so, hey, uh, a better than blessed, and uh, you know we're just gonna keep left on, left, right, lefting to the best of our abilities. But uh, beyond humble and appreciative of this opportunity. Appreciate you, T. Hey, Key, what you got for final words before we wrap it up? Definitely wanted to say thank you um, again. I think individuals they they know a portion of the story, but they don't know all of the things that you went through. And so I'm hoping that you know we were able to shed light um, in a different a different point of view. Of somebody who is definitely a force to be run with and i just i'm so appreciative that you made time for us um and that you have been a forever um supportive of us so thank you thank you so much i appreciate it all right jay will what you got for wrap up hey uh so i know for me i wasn't gonna miss this i fought i, I don't you know if you know about san antonio traffic but i fought it to come back this way because this this was happening and i wanted to share my quick story with you because uh and i haven't even told you this so we do this stuff live intentionally um so what y'all don't know is last week i got to meet chief Hannibal in person and uh and so i'm thinking like what you would normally do you go meet a chief you you chop it up they got a few minutes they got to run to a meeting and then they're out but not not this individual so she took me uh, she was like, hey, you want to go on a tour, BMT, and let's go. We, we got time. I'm going to bring my tablet so I can get the staff meeting, but I'm going to make time for you because you're here. And what you did know, Chief, was uh, so 18 years, and I've been at JBSA for almost two years. I still, I've never been back to BMT. So when you took me on that tour, that was you taking me back to day one. So, and then more importantly, she let me sit in the snake pit. Look, you know. <laughs> She was like a little kid. I was like a little kid. I was like, yo. And then, so, but the whole time they're like, hey, you're a senior master sergeant Wilson, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't care. This is my first time being back here at this time. And you gave me that moment. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Um, and I know that that's just one moment and one story that I could share with you. But I wanted to let you know that live, you know, for everybody. And um, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for being transparent. And as always, you and you, I hope y'all appreciated this conversation because this, you know, this is why we do it. We do it for y'all. But go ahead, Black. All right. So uh, before I get to you, Chief, I'd like to send a special shout out to the rest of the admin team, including uh, y'all two on here. You guys do a lot of the moving in the mountains and stuff. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes coordinating and getting this stuff. Key does all of our making sure that we're on track, getting our calendars set. And I'm always asking questions like, yo, what time are we doing this? Hey, did you send this out? I'm guilty. So I appreciate y'all because I none of this happens without y'all. I'm just here. Literally, I'm just here so I don't get fine because I literally I have a lot of stuff going on. So thank you. Shout out to the admin team and the you chief. Thank you to take for taking the time out. Um, we know this is not an easy move. It's taking a lot of time, and time is one of those precious resources that we're not gonna you can't buy anymore, you ain't gonna get anymore. So thank you for spending your time with us. For those tuning in, um, I hope you enjoyed the segment. I know I did half the time. I'm more fanboy than, than personal action on the screen. I genuinely enjoy the conversation. 
But as always, if there's anything that you would like to see us do a little different, a little better, let us know. If there's someone that you'd like to bring on or that we haven't, you'd like us to reach out to, let us know. Or there's a segment that you'd like us to see us do, let us know. With that, appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Till next time.